Well, good morning. If you have a Bible with you, you might like to uh, just turn just briefly, just a moment or two, just to Luke's Gospel, just for a moment or two. And uh, uh, Luke chapter 2. We're going to just spend a few moments this morning um, just, just taking up a theme, sort of preparing, a, preparing ourselves. I suppose that the, 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 hope, the hope and the theme this morning really been an opportunity to prepare my heart. And um, the fact that you're here this morning is just, it's just so great to see you. You know, your heart is open. You, you want to, to, to know the presence and power of God in your life. And so uh, it's great to see you today. But I, I want to take up a theme just for a moment or two um, of making room um, for God in our hearts and lives. And, uh, and then there'll be an opportunity in a moment or two just for us to, to sort of seal that. So it, it, I won't be speaking for a particularly long time. Um, I, I, it, it won't be like sort of like a, 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 like a, a teaching type of sermon, more of a, just an encouragement, I would say, this morning as I, as I look to um, prepare my heart. In, in different traditions and different Christian traditions, the period of Advent is looking forward, is, is an opportunity in the Christian calendar to prepare your heart. And uh, you, you might be doing an Advent reading program. I know a number of people in church here that are doing some readings over the period of the, of the run-up to, for, for Christmas Day, looking at readings to prepare your heart, to get your mind and heart ready, as it were, uh, to, to be prepared. And, uh, and um, so th- that's sort of really where I want to go um, with what I want to say this morning. So if, if you have a Bible uh, with you, if you could turn to um, Luke uh, chapter 2, just for a moment or two. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus, verse 1, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor in Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So, as the story goes, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea in Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Verse 7, And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, and this is the reason why she placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Some translations say no room at the inn, or there is no room. The NIV, the latest version of the NIV says now that it translates it, that they were, Jesus was placed in a manger, which is a feeding place, like a feeding trough. Or a, so because there was no guest room and there was no room available um, to them. I want us to stop there for a moment. A little boy wanted to be Joseph in the nativity play. And um, it came about that his teacher said, you're going to be the innkeeper. He preferred to be Joseph because Joseph had better lines, he felt, than the innkeeper. And so there was a little bit of um, argy-bargy in the reception, as it were. But uh, at the end of the day, he accepted, because it was still a role in the nativity, and so he had the role of the innkeeper. And it came to the point, so, but in the background, he was smouldering. So it came to the point, uh, that high point in the nativity play, and uh, it was the bit where Joseph and Mary are looking for a, a place to stay. So picture the scene. 
Uh, but he was this little innkeeper kept a sort of smouldering grumpiness underneath, as it were, in the background. So on the very night, the high point of the night, um, Joseph comes with his his lovely wife. With the, you know, he's got the tea towel on his head, and he says, "Innkeeper, innkeeper," Joseph began. We've travelled many miles in the darkness and cold. May we come in? She can come in, the innkeeper said, pulling Mary through the door, but you can push off. <laughs> now, I I'm not so sure. You know, hopefully it wasn't like that you know, 2,000 years ago when they were looking for, for a room. But, you know, um, it, you know, I don't think it was like that. Uh, it, it, hopefully it wasn't like that. But um, there was no room. There wasn't a place at that point in that time, and they had to find a space for the baby to be born. And, you know, um, there, there, there's a bit of a thought there for life, and it's just that I want to take up for a moment or two, if you don't mind. Well, you can't, you can't do anything else. You're here now, so you can't, you can't reply to that say, I do mind. Well, you could, I suppose you could. But um, we live in a very busy, busy, busy world. You could, you, I think if I came and sat beside you, you could say to me, tell me about it. Adrian? You, you could keep me here probably for a long, long time, saying what your job is like, what your family's like, what you've got to do, what you haven't done. And just put Christmas aside for a moment. Just life. Uh, the, uh, everyone I talk to, whether they're people who have retired, seem busier than ever. Whether, wh- whether you're... Uh, whatever. It, it's, it, I don't know. Is it, is it just me? Is it, it, um, you know, is, it's, it's incredible today. People are really busy. Um, it was so much so that um, a number of months ago, I shared a message. I felt so exercised on this theme of busyness. And I've just not got much time or room for anything in my life, right? Uh, that I, I shared a message called Doing Busy Better. I, I don't know whether you've listened to that, but if you didn't, please have a listen to it online. Because uh, some of what I want to say today will overlap with that, but I don't want to go over that. But listen to a message called Being Busy Better. Um, but I'm being told by people, look, I haven't got time. I, you know, I want to do that, but I've got to do this. I've got to go, and I've got this. And we're juggling. We're multitasking so much stuff. And um, not only that, um, and never have we lived in an age of busyness, but never have we lived in an age of distraction. Um, there's a lot of research at the moment now going on about the, the, the new digital age. The age of the printing press and of going from people scribing down in beautiful writing on parchment, and then everything being mass-produced through a printing press. We're going through a revolution that's like the printing press. It's called the digital revolution. We, and, we, and, and the experiment is our children, our youngest ones, are now experiencing that. And we, I experienced a time when I didn't have a smartphone. You think, well, we've always had smartphones. I remember a time when my phone, I thought I was so trendy, I had this Nokia phone. It was like a walkie-talkie. It was that big. It also had an antenna on it, so it made it that big. I used to strap it to my side. I used to walk around thinking it was so clever. That was about 1999. It wasn't that long ago, but it seems like a long time ago. But we're living in a digital age, and never have we lived in an age of distraction. I, I mean, more, more, but there's so much now that will take your attention. You know, I hear people saying to, to me today, oh, I'm glad I grew up in, 
I won't, I won't say what year, because it might give away what some of you have said to me. But I'm glad I, I was growing up in such a, such a year. Because today, children today, they're distract this, there's that, there's this. There's, never have we lived in a time of busyness, and never have we lived in a time of distraction. Psychologists are now doing studies, right now, on digital distraction. And the attention deficit that there is in the age in which we live. That's, that's, that's going on. Not that we're knocking technology, but how can we now manage this technology so we can live fully accepting, great, experiencing lives? Because there's more anxiety than there's ever been. There's more distraction than there's ever been. There's more business than there's ever been. And it all seems to be a cocktail, a recipe for, for a sense of being on a bit of a merry-go-round. But there's also great opportunity because technology now gives us incredible information. And so in your hand, you have a, you have a computer that's probably a, as powerful than the computers that allowed people to land on the moon. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty incredible. If you have a smartphone, the computing technology probably is of the sort of awesome power that was the technology in the late 60s or whatever it was when they landed on the moon. That's the, so, so information is now available to us like there's never been before. It's, it's, there is a great opportunity in the midst of all of this, but it's how we get to, to use this and understand this and what, it, and what it does to our hearts and lives. You know, I've heard it said that, you know, our heart, our heads can be full but there's a danger that our hearts could also be quite empty. Information alone is not the answer to life. Information alone is not the answer to life. This is why Jesus came to transform, to change the world, to bring the kingdom of God into our hearts and lives. You know, um, I find, I'm, I'm going to suggest this to you. I feel that distraction dents wonder. Distraction does something that puts a dent in the wonder of God and creation. Never have we been distracted before. And uh, there's a danger that our heads can be so full and our hearts can be so empty. It's like there can be a, a hole in the soul. I hear more and more people saying to me, there must be more to life than this. Usually the people that are cutting my hair, because I've got a lot of it. It might be going very grey, but I've got a lot of it. And they have to chomp their way through my hair. Always say to me, you've got a lot of hair, haven't you? Oh, I said, every, every month. I go, I go about once a month because it grows really thick. And, uh, but they're always saying, there's more to life than this. Not just cutting my hair, I mean, but I'm just saying, there's more to life. Because my hair does take a very long time. <laughs> and, it's a, and, and, and as time is going by, there's more and more grey. It's quite frightening as, it, as it's, it's now looking white. It used to be a bit of black and grey. Now, it's, now it's, there's masses and masses of white hair coming and falling around me. But there's, there, I, there, people say, there's more to life than this. Why? There's a hole in the soul. We're running around, we're filling our heads, we're f- and yet there's something for our hearts. And you know, if we, don't, if, if we don't watch it, as a Christian, I can fall into that sort of default position of busyness, of distraction, because, hey, we're part of this world, we, we've got all this going on in our lives. And so there's something very powerful, at just pausing for a moment, in the Psalms, in the Psalms, the Old Testament, there's a word, it's a, and you'll find it written, it's a bit, a bit weird, it's called, it says Selah. And Selah is a musical, poetic uh, Hebrew word that means pause, stop, listen, reflect. It's in music, so that the music has a pause and then a crescendo. 
It's interesting. Uh, and so there's something in, in our hearts and eyes where there needs to be a sense of, what is this about? Is, and, and my heart being full of all sorts of stuff. Um, there must be more to this. I had the opportunity in 19... This is, now, this is, this is maybe going back older, older than some of you are, who are sitting here this morning. But 1993, there was an opportunity to be with a bunch of Christians who were in Brazil. I was in Brazil at the time, and I was in the area of the Amazon. How about that? Forget I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. That's not proper, ju- that's not proper jungle. We're actually in the Amazon. And there was a night looking up at the stars. Now, whether it's because there's, there's absolutely no... Um, there is absolutely no natural man-made light anywhere. But, and, and it's that part of the equator. I think there's something to do with the part of the equator that you're on, you know, the way that the earth... And, and, but looking up at the sky, it was like inky blackness that was like in your face. And the stars... It, the sky was festooned with stars. You could see galaxies. It was absolutely awesome. In actual fact, it was a bit of, if you've ever seen Lion King, a Pumbaa and Timon moment when they're looking up at the stars. Yeah, only, only those that laugh could, could, will actually have seen that. But it was like awesome. I looked up and for a minute I was overwhelmed with the wonder of my smallness, God's greatness, and his incredible love for me. For me, it was a divine moment that I'll never, ever, ever forget. Maybe you've had that encounter at that moment where you've... you've, you've and it came about because I was able to appreciate. I was in the middle of nowhere. I'm glad with a few other Christians who knew what they were doing. And some other Christian Indians who knew what they were doing. And were able to look up it was awesome. But the wonder, there was, a, there was a moment, I was in a place, there was a space, there was a moment where I wasn't in any business. There was a moment where my life wasn't about technology. There was a moment where I wasn't thinking about work. And there was a moment where it was just God. You may be aware of a story in the Old Testament, the Bible, where a man called Moses is busy looking after sheep. In fact, there's so many sheep, and many of them are probably going missing. He was a very, very busy man that day. He'd been doing this now for quite a few years, about 40 years. I tell you what, 40 years of that would probably send me a bit doolally. I don't know what he was thinking on that day, but he was in, in the middle of nowhere almost, probably surrounded by lots of sheep, and just getting on with his life and work and looking out for those sheep that were going missing. And on, on this occasion, he spots a bush that is burning. Now, this bush is burning, and he looks at it, and it grabs his attention. Now, he's, and the reason it grabs his attention is it's burning, but it's not burning up. It's burning, but it's not catching fire in the sense of burning and shriveling up. And this gets his attention. He goes over, and it's at that point, God speaks to him and says, Moses, Moses, take your shoes off. This is a holy place. And he begins to unfold an encounter with the living God. You know, God gets Moses' attention out of all the busyness, out of all of everything that's going on in his life, God gets his attention. You know, at Christmas, we sort of celebrate uh, the God coming in the flesh, Jesus, the Emmanuel, God being 
born amongst us. And God seeks to get our attention by sending his son. God sent his son into the world because he wants to have a living relationship with us and grab hold and get of our attention with his living, loving reality. I love the writings of a man called Max Lucado, brilliant writer. And this is what he has to say about attention and giving room and space for God, because that's what I'm getting at this morning. There's got to be a point in our lives where God wants your attention, and there has to, something has to give in our lives for us to make room and space. Just as the family that went to look for a room and there was no room, then went and found a place. Listen to this. Off to one side sits a group of shepherds. They sit silently on the floor. Max Lucado writes, perhaps perplexed, perhaps in awe, no doubt in amazement. Their night watch had been interrupted by an explosion of light from heaven and a symphony of angels. God goes to those who have time to hear him. And so this cloudless night, he went to simple shepherds. God goes to those who have time to hear him. I'd also say for those that can make room. If we can make room, if we can make room in our hearts, in our spirits, in our minds, if we can make room and give God place, a space. It's pretty interesting. It's quite amazing that as I read the New Testament and I want to live like Jesus. I just want to follow Jesus. I just love the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is becoming more and more alive and real to me the more I walk on as a Christian. And so I love to read the Gospels, particularly I look at the Gospels again and again. And there's something you see about Jesus. And this is what something that Jesus does. Jesus had a habit of continually drawing aside from the crowds and giving space and time to meet with his Father in heaven. Very often you'll read in the Gospels, early in the morning, Jesus would go to a side. Sometimes you'll read, uh, Jesus withdrew to a hill to pray. Uh, uh, Other times it says that Jesus withdrew from the crowd. And then others came to look for him early in the day. It appears that this was a habit. This was habitual. This wasn't just now and again. This was something that was become a lifestyle. Because Jesus understood. He, who the one who came to those that would give him place and a space, now understands when he was born and there was a space made for him. He comes to those and goes to his father to make a space, a place to make room to abide and to know and to hear. Pastor Andrew was speaking recently about this idea of Jesus wanting to make a home, abide, have place in our hearts. So we've got to make room for him. So there's a, so I want to round up and then we're going to come and worship together as in a moment or two. And so there's something in Jesus' lifestyle, therefore, whereby he looked to make space in the place because he was busy. He wasn't wired up to a smartphone. I know, but there were crowds that pulled him. Attention, his heart broke over Jerusalem. It said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He cried. His heart broke over people, who, who, some who walked away, the religious that upset him, the, the hurting, the broken. People touched him. People crowded around him. He was so incredibly, so much going on in his life that he wanted to give space to God, his father. And uh, as Licardo says... God goes to those who have time to hear him. 
And so on a cloudless night, he went to simple shepherds because they were in a place to hear. A um, couple of things that we can do then. I, and I was just, this is a suggestion. Uh, what can we do? Well, we need to give attention to the, the attention deficit that could be dangerously looming in our lives. Hang on there. I'm not accusing you of anything. Don't go from here saying that the pastor Adrian is saying we've got to do this, we've got to do that. But I would suggest to you, we live in an age of attention deficit. Distraction and busyness are a powerful cocktail that will come in to leave a hole in the Christian soul. And this is why it's so important, therefore, to learn from the heart of Jesus about making space. And just as the shepherds were in a place to hear, so by we too, not just on Christmas Day, but every day, make sure our hearts are in a place to hear. And so we need to deal with the attention potential, the potential, the potential for attention deficit in our life. And so this is the first thing I'd say. I was hunting for some lights and uh, went up in the loft, as you do. And uh, I found these lights that were, plugged them in, I went to plug them in, and you know when you get the bulb that is not the bulb, and you think, oh, here we go. And, uh, you know, we've gone through all of that again, and uh, then uh, I bought some, um, you know, the the LED lights, they're just as bad, because half of my LED lights weren't working on these icicle lights that I had, and and, uh, there was a moment, I had one of those God moments, getting frustrated and a bit wound up, and I think Janet saw me in Tesco's looking for lights, the other day, and, um, and I just felt God say, you know, Adrian, you're wound up about lights, but, you know, you're looking at switching on lights. What about switching on your heart? This is just, I, I don't know, it's just a simple little thing, but it was a God moment for me. And it was, you're switching on lights, but what about switching on your heart, Adrian? What about switching on our hearts to be open and uh, to the wonder, to the amazing beauty of an amazing almighty creator that makes himself vulnerable, that a little baby would Jesus, the creator of the universe, naked, holding, if I would have been there and put my little finger out, the little Jesus would have grabbed my hand. That's the vulnerability of, of a create, the creator wanting a relationship with you and I. That's the lengths that are created. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. That's awesome. And I want to be open to that wonder, not just on Christmas Day, but today. The wonder of God being so concerned about your life and my life that he wants to just grab your hand. Jesus can grab your hand right now. And I felt God say, you're worried about switching on lights. What about switching on your heart? And then I felt, I felt the Holy Spirit say this. Switch off. You need to switch off some things so you can switch on. You need to, Adrian, you need to switch off something so you can switch on. For me, one of my things is, is my smartphone needs to be switched off maybe one day a week or something. I know I need, to be, uh, I need to be, so that I can just switch on to God that week. But there might be some things in your life. I, I'm, I can't tell you what to do. It's not for me. I'm, not, I'm a nobody. I'm nothing in your life. But I would say this. I reckon for everyone here this morning, if you're like me, there are things that we need to switch off. I'm not saying be horrible to people. We need to learn to say no to certain things. We take on too much. Maybe there are things that are crowding our lives where... God is calling for our attention? I don't know. But I know this, that distraction dents wonder. I know that in my life, in my soul. And so there may be a need to switch off so that I can switch on. Um, Let your heart wander in wonder. 
Have, how, 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 when was the last time that your, your heart, my heart, wandered in wonder? Don't, don't tell me. You before God yourself. I tell you a story about being in, a, in an amazing place in the jungle, lost in wonder. You know, we sing the song, lost in wonder. Can't remember the rest of the lyrics. <laughs> I'm terrible at remembering lyrics and things. Oh. <laughs> That's sacrilege, isn't it, when it's a Christian song? But there's something about being lost in wonder. Wandering in wonder. I tell you what, Christmas is an opportunity to wander in wonder. It really is. It's awesome. God is amazing. I know I'm of this earth. I've got to walk. I've got plans. I've got family. I've got life. I've got upsets. I've got things to do. But I want to see the wonder-working God put my hand in his hand. He wants you to wander in wonder. Let your heart wander in wonder. Uh, you know, I would say to you, please listen to being doing busy better. Please listen to that, uh, that message. I, I, I can't go into that now, but it talks about resting, refreshing, reflecting and rejoicing and how we can find the wonder of God again. And I, I feel that Christmas, at, at Christmas in particular, December season is very busy on top of being busy. Let's be lost. Let's get ready. Let's get lost in wonder now. So, you know, Andrew was sharing about inviting a friend. And that's my second thing is this. So switch off to switch on. Second thing is this, share the joy. Second thing I want to encourage you to do, share the joy. Got to find the joy, first of all, so it's being lost in wonder. But share the joy. It's interesting that Jesus speaks of, you know, the, hope, the spirit coming and living in our hearts and lives will be like living water that wells up. And flows like a river. It's interesting that. He said a well will flow out of your soul. It's in John's gospel. He says this water that you're looking at, it will be like living water. The spirit will just well up in your soul. Very interesting that. You know, it's a river of living water that grows as we flow. It's, it's, it's a flow. He says that you will know the spirit and it will flow well up out of your soul. It's a flow. That's how you grow. There has to be a flow. If the flow is stopped, you just keep it dammed in. We're never designed that way. We were designed to flow. And so there's something about releasing. And it's interesting, you know, freely you've received, now freely give it away. It's the encouragement that we have as believers. Freely you've received, now freely give it away. But it's an interesting thing to know the wonder, and then it's another thing then to Give it away. You know, we can say to a friend, oh, come to this meeting. Or we can say to a friend, come and meet the most wonderful person in the very world. You can have a living relationship with God. It's interesting in the Old Testament, when the manna, the bread that came from heaven, was stored up. When they collected it and they stored it, it went rotten. The picture is that it needs to be every day. It needs to be a flow. There needs to be a flow. With this, I conclude. So switch off to switch on and then share the joy. This year, let's share the joy. Let's tell the world that Jesus lives. Let's tell the world that Jesus lives. I want to conclude with this. A guy called Bill Crowder said this. He wrote this. The great challenge left to us 
is to cut through all the glitz and glam of the season that has grown increasingly secular and commercial and, and be reminded of the, and of this, the beauty of the one who is Christmas. The great challenge left to us is to cut through all the glitz and the glam of the season that has grown increasingly secular and commercial and be reminded of the beauty of the one who is Christmas. Be reminded of the beauty of the one who is Christmas, Jesus Christ, the living one, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Tell the world that Jesus lives. We're going to worship together and um, lay hold of that and make room. Give God our hearts. Give the Holy Spirit that place as we come um, before him. Shall we pray? And we can just conclude as we just seal that as we worship together this morning. Heavenly Father, just, you know, receive our hearts and lives this morning. We thank you, Jesus, that, uh, you know, you, you left heaven, your earth, your footstool. The earth is your footstool, and you came and abided in a manger, a feeding trough. And the hands that set the universe into place reaches out to grab hold of a shepherd's hand. Awesome wonder-working God, you who couldn't, couldn't, can't even be contained by the universe were contained in a manger. It's absolutely awesome. And we open up our hearts to you this morning and say, we pray that the wonder of your love, as we've been reminded this morning to just lay hold of your love, we pray the wonder of your love, the wonder of your grace, the wonder of your mercy, the wonder of the hope that you bring of a relationship with God the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit, the living one today, would just come anew to our hearts and lives. I just want to pray for people that are incredibly busy with job and home and work and life. Maybe there's things that have distracted and lay hold of our lives this morning and we think, I can't put that down. I can't say no to this. I, I've, got a, I've got a commitment for that just feel for those people this morning that are feeling like that right now, Heavenly Father. We thank you that your grace is sufficient. When Paul the Apostle prayed, take it, Lord, take it, you said to him, that thorn you have, my grace is sufficient for you. And I just pray that a, a special sense of love, a special sense of hope, and an amazing sense of grace would just come and touch people that are finding work, life, balance so hard at the moment family and home and decisions just pray Holy Spirit would you just come and give an amazing sense of hope and grace and mercy with the miracle wonder of your spirit right now Jesus may the wonder of your love just overwhelm us this season and in the weeks that we have as we worship you we we honour you and we adore you just overwhelm us with wonder, overwhelm us with love, overwhelm us with mercy, overwhelm people with forgiveness, overwhelm people with healing, because you're a wonder-working God. We love you. We want to give our lives to you afresh and give you space and a place. Give you space and a place. Grab our attention, Jesus, we pray. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we love you. Let's stand together and worship him together, shall we? And you're here this morning, and you may be here. Give your life afresh. You know, Jesus Christ says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you peace. 
I'll give you hope. Maybe you're here this morning and it's a case of God, take my life. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my time. I give you my family. I give you my job. I give you my very life. Come on, let's do that. Let's do that this morning and give ourselves to him. And you'll find an amazing thing. God will give himself to you. Let's lift our hands to heaven. Let's worship him in Jesus' name. On the TV program, I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. When you are evicted from the jungle, you cross a bridge. It's a big, long bridge. And um, at the other side of the bridge is the family. And when you get at the end, all the fireworks go off and the family greet the person that comes out of the jungle and they all hug and it's wonderful, it's incredible. Jesus is the bridge to life. Jesus Christ is the bridge to life. You know, he beckons us to come to him. You know, as we reach out, you know, this is a great song, but there's something about trusting Jesus with our lives, trusting Jesus with our families, trusting Jesus with our jobs, trusting Jesus with our church, trusting Jesus with my life, trusting Jesus with my children, trusting Jesus with the doctor's diagnosis. There's something really powerful about trusting Jesus because he's the bridge to life. God gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He so loves you and me. And that's why I love this song. I'm welcoming you. I'm running into your arms. And for you this morning, for some of us, there's a sense of trusting Jesus with my husband, trusting Jesus with my wife, trusting Jesus with my very life, trusting Jesus with my job, trusting Jesus with the thoughts of my future, trusting Jesus with the doctor's diagnosis, trusting Jesus with our church this year. And there's something about running into his arms and God says to you, I want a relationship with you. I want your life. I want your heart. I want your family. With that in mind, we're just going to close as we sing. I'm welcomed into his arms. So let's sing this chorus line and trust him and run to him and give him our lives. And if you're here this morning and there's something you're worried about, if there's an aspect of your life, if you're here for the time and you think, you know, I read the Bible, that's good. I come to church, that's good. But trusting Jesus Christ is what makes the change. Cross that bridge in his mighty name. So let's do that as we close with these words. I'm running to your arms. Let's do it, shall we? Let's do it this year. Let's run into his arms. Bless you. God bless you. Let's sing this last refrain. Be blessed. Have an amazing day. Thank you.